Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sega Saturn Shiro, the only podcast that raids tombs. I'm Patrick, and today we have our other hosts, Nick, Dave, Peter, and Ben. How's it going today, guys? Going good. Gang's all yeah. here. It's Gang's pretty awesome. Here, yeah. It's been a little, it's been a hot minute since we recorded a podcast, for sure. Definitely has been, uh, we've been really busy. Well, I guess I don't know. I don't know. Do you guys count the Shiro Show as a podcast, technically? I like don't. Sort of. No. I think people are confused about that because uh, because a lot of people are like, "Oh, your podcast is really good for like weekly news," and I'm like, "That's not the podcast. That's the show." <laughs> yeah, it's mostly because we, we cross post on on the on the podcast feed yeah. itself. We probably need they to do something streams. about that. <laughs> I, th- I think we can have multiple shows on 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 Podbean, but I kind of yeah. like. I think I kind of like people having a conglomerate of everything on one area. Mm-mm. I guess I don't know, so that way people can easily keep track of it. and They'll have to subscribe to two different feeds. This is I true. Know, I'm kind of like that. We could definitely talk about that in the future. And <laughs> when you fans, let us know what you guys think. Do you guys want us to split up the feeds? Do you guys want uh, Shiro Show news on an exclusive feed? Do you guys want podcasts on an exclusive feed? Mm-hmm. Let us know, and we will do something. I was going to say we were going to please you, but that sounded kind of weird, so <laughs> I wanted to rephrase that. That's the second rephrasing, weird rephrasing that I've done in like two days. But anyways, why don't we do a quick, a quick update? Um, do, would you like to go first, Dave? Sure. Yeah. Quick update. Working a lot. Um, doing lots of Shiro stuff. You know, here and there. Uh, Pat uh, talked with Bob from Retro RGB. That was fun. Pat. Uh, it was a really fun conversation. Yeah. And uh, he's a real cool guy, as I already. Uh, as I already knew, but I mean, you know, getting to talk to him was nice. And uh, and then, you know, we did Shiro Show and that we pulled that off, even though it was like <laughs> by the, just getting everything set up just in the nick of time because yeah. uh, Friday was a, a big work day for me. But yeah, so just, uh, you know, just keeping on, keeping on. Nothing game related to report, though, other than, you know, playing a little Tomb Raider and playing a lot of the 27th anniversary games to try to exactly. finish up uh, judging on that. Yep, and we're gonna be having the competition, the the stream for that on Friday. It's gonna be like a That's five right. hour stream, I believe, with me and Emerald. <laughs> yes, I think you, um, man, this feels bad because I'm. It's it's technically talking about it before we talk about it privately, but like oh, no. I was talking to Emerald about like because I didn't bring it up to you that uh, I was gonna have you do the show by yourself on Friday, and then I do the five hour show afterwards with Emerald, and that way. You Why don't do you that. just do a extravaganza with Emerald and have that be the show? I think that would be I great. I, I don't know. I kind of want you to be involved as well. It'd be kind of yeah. Feel bad missing out. I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel that bad. I'm so tired. I, I think I, Dave's trying I to get a, a day off. Of, yeah. <laughs> like I. I know. I know. Knight will give me a hard time. I'll be like Dave's always bowing out. <laughs> but I'm thinking next week I'm going to be really <laughs> tired. But yeah. yeah. But no. if you want to take a break, we could talk about that off screen. But like I said, we'll, <laughs> we work something out. If you want to do a shoe show during the day, and then. Yeah. I'll do the five-hour thing during the night or yeah. you know, hop on during the night stream. That's also well, you know, a good option. Yeah, I could definitely uh, I could definitely plug 
the stream and let people know that they need to tune in for it. So, yeah. Gotcha. Well, we'll figure that out. All right. Anything else, Steve? That's it. On to you, Nick. (laughs) On to you, Nick. (laughs) Nick has the floor. How's the The weather out there, Nick? (laughs) Uh, Well, warmer. And by warmer, I mean, I think it's a negative two degrees air temp. That's Fahrenheit. Um, I can feel that. I yeah, mean, it, like it's 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 about seventy one degrees here in Arizona, so I definitely can lament being cold. <laughs> yeah, you must be chilly down there, asshole. Very chilly. We're a light jacket. <laughs> when I go outside now. The uh, the coldest it got here the past couple of weeks was uh, in it was in the negative, uh, like the very low negative twenties. I think it was negative twenty seven air temp, and that's without wind chill. With with wind chill, it felt like negative forty, and at times negative fifty at night. And um, Oof. Uh, Peter told me that uh, I, I actually beat him. Uh, he he lives in, in in Canada, the land of the maple moose and the very cold weather. And uh, good old USA beat him, <laughs> or at least my USA party coming USA. on top again. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it was so cold that they canceled school because they couldn't start the school buses because the temperature was that low. Hmm. Wow. It was I thought it was because of the rampant COVID outbreak, but I guess school that buses too, also. <laughs> no, it was just school buses. Uh, but as for me, how I'm doing, other than you know freezing, I'm fine. Uh, we uh, since the last podcast, we moved to a new, bigger apartment. I have a bigger space for you know playing games and stuff. And he's no longer in the closet. No longer in the closet. That's right. And uh, my wife got me a a, a bitch and desk for um, my computer setup, and it's it's been great. Um, beat Metroid Dread. Uh, really loved it. That was probably the second best game I played all year behind Half-Life Alex. And I should not have played Half-Life Alex, should I? I even Ooh, got a VR good. set for Christmas, so maybe I need to play VR, uh, Half-Life VR Alex. Half-Life yeah, Alex. would highly, highly recommend. Uh, that is fantastic. Especially if you've... Uh, I would make sure that you've played the rest of the Half-Life games, at the very least Half-Life 2 and, and its episodes because it's very oh, relevant man. to I, Alex. I played that like about almost 15 years ago, so I think I'm good. All right, all right, right I think, on. I think, I, I think I'm caught up from 15 years ago. Maybe you might need to do a refresh play, but... Maybe do like a refresh play or at least like watch a recap on YouTube or something just to get that fresh in your mind. It is important for uh, for Half-Life Alex. Yeah, um, but man, I can't believe it's been like 15 years since the I know. <laughs> we finally got it. We to finally episode, sort of got Half-Life episode 3. Two. <laughs> I, I remember when everyone was always hyped about episode 2 and like, oh, when's that coming out? And now it's like, man, what amateurs. <laughs> right. Um, for Saturn stuff, I uh, by the time this episode will be released, I will have finished and uploaded my video about the Sega Extreme contest entries, a uh, probably more than one hour long video uh, reviewing every single entry briefly. Um, that's all the patches, utilities, and of course the original games. Very tough to judge that one this year. There were a lot of good entries, a lot of good original games. I'd say like, you know, Cube Cat, Hell Slave, Blue Skies, easy contenders for the number one spot. Some of the other ones could even, you know, be get cutting it pretty close to. Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think Cloth is probably the best one in my cloth opinion. Cloth is the, the cloth best demo. One. Yeah, no. Guys, I, I'm, I'm more partial to 15 Extreme with the pony puzzles. That one's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, that one totally not getting us. Can- oh, man, that reminds me. I, when I do that stream, I'll have to. You'll have to help me out to make me sure I pick the puzzle that doesn't get our YouTube channel shut down. There yeah, are it is hard to it's yeah. hard to judge though because you kind of have to wait certain ones if they haven't been entered before. Like, 
right. some of, a lot of the entries were entered last year, so you're kind of judging off what they've managed to do beyond last year. Yeah, exactly. Because like Hellslave made some changes, I'd argue Cubecat might have made more, and so it's right. weighing. Okay, well, which one did I enjoy more? Which one do I feel made the most progress? Does that mm-hmm. make it better than the other? And it's like. And then there's blue skies coming in with like this is brand all new brand game. new, and yeah. we got this whole 3D archipelago that we're flying around in a nice, beautiful sprite-based plane with all this wonderful music. Right. And it's like, geez, yeah. dude, in all honesty, I don't know. Honestly, I, I think blue know. skies might be my pick for this year. While it was, it was good. I'll say this year, I think blue skies might have. I don't know. It just everything seemed right with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to say that there's anything wrong with Hellslave or Cubecat, but I don't know. There's yeah. just something about it. Stylistically, no, yeah. all three of them nailed it. They nailed what they sought at, sought to do. You know, mm-hmm. like music, sound, graphics, and gameplay, and everything. All three of them just flip and nailed it. Yeah. Uh, also working on the Virtua Cop review still, um, ever so slowly. Uh, I am working with a friend on getting source material translated from Japan, Japanese, from Japanese into English. Japanese. <laughs> um, <laughs> A I've, lots never heard it. Of, I've never heard it pronounced that way. <laughs> lots of unearthed source material and some that might even be brand spanking new um, that will be uh, coming into that. What will surely be a giant review. And I'm, I'm also working on, um, in the background, quarterback attack and uh, Sega Rally reviews just in the background, just so I've worked ahead while taking forever to do a Virtua Cop episode. So I'm that's excited. what I'm doing. So, so is this going to be uh, is going to be Lord of the Rings long, or are we looking at a full feature film length? You know, I think it's just going to be feature film length. Gotcha. Fair enough. Fair enough. So <laughs> just an hour I'll, I'll, make sure to, I'll make sure to change more. my movie night for uh, <laughs> set that up for uh, uh, your virtual cop review. But uh, yes, yes. Hopefully, it gets released before twenty twenty three. I'm hoping. Anyways, uh, what about you, Peter? What have you been up to in this wonderful thing? And how was your New Year's? Oh, I also forgot. How was you guys' New Year's? This is the first cast of the new year of twenty twenty two. It's right. good. It worked. It's been a cold year so far. Yeah, I can't wait to see COVID overtake again. 2020 Redux. I like it. And by like it, I mean I hate it. Same. Oh, God. Let's just hope that we're on the final swing of all that. Remember when we first started this and we took it as a joke and we like yes. did that list of... Did we end up removing that? I can't remember if we removed that from the cast. I did a I did a quarantine stream. Like it was a one-off thing. Like, oh, this is just a just a one month long thing. It'll just I be just, over my That summer. just needed to be my default uh, overlay. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I can't remember. Did we, I, I did we edit that out or not? I can't remember if we because we, we did that long list of games to play in quarantine or yeah, like inspired by know. the virus. Yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty sure we still have that up. Yeah. Kind of interesting piece of history at this point it's like oh they, they we thought it wasn't that big a deal back then and then we just slowly got well bad. we just kept kicking the can down the road <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah because I, I remember i think it was either peter or somebody else was like hey uh this has gotten kind of crazy since we made this episode should we keep this in and it's kind of shut down the world for a while <laughs> yeah honestly i don't remember if we kept that in or not so if you guys look back at the episode i think it was in March of 2020 or February, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. We did a list of that. I know virus is on there. Um, a few others, but uh, anyways, <laughs> that like, yes. damn oh, game. Yeah. That was the infamous one where <laughs> <laughs> poor Ben. <laughs> I swear, I'm going to get through that game at one point. Okay, Peter. Yeah. We got to hear how Peter's been doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, so my update isn't all that exciting. I've you know, continue to be really busy with uh, 
you know, non-Saturn activities, lots of school going on. And wait, what do you mean? You wrote an article, but big one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, just because you know, you you need some sort of relaxed time, right? And so during my relaxed time, I've been playing some Saturn Lunar, and so uh, I've uh, yes, I've I figured okay, I've got three weeks around Christmas where I've got no school. I do still have work, but at least it's just work. It's not work and school, and so. Yeah, I, I, you know, I just started writing and writing is relaxing to me. I enjoy it. And then in comes the research and the, you know, the digging and the fact finding. And yes, uh, just a few days ago, as of us recording today, we, you know, we, we published the, uh, the lunar article. And those are, those are always fun to do those big, long articles. I love them. Although it can be such a rabbit hole sometimes because, you know, you'll find some obscure fact somewhere and then you'll want to dig through the sources and then those sources lead you to more things. And, you know, all of a sudden, oh, shoot, you know, two hours have gone by and all I really wanted was like this tiny tidbit of information. So it can totally happen that way. That's just that's the way it goes. And then, you know, then it's figuring out, okay, so how much of this are we putting in? How much are we cutting out, etc.? But Anyways, the article is uh, is up now, and hopefully people enjoy it. It might be a while before you know I can put out something that large again, but it was uh, it was fun doing it, and uh, and yeah, like the the next sort of Saturn challenge that I want to tackle is I want to play through Police Knots. I've not done that yet, hmm. uh, ever. So uh, I want to give that a shot. Um, and then Saturn in between the Lunar and. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yes. And, um, and I guess the last thing I want to mention real quick gaming related that I've been into is I've just in the last few days, I've played through all of the, the Genesis slash Mega Drive Sonic games. I, you know, very partial to Sonic, the, the classic original Sonic games. They were what kind of got me into Sega over Nintendo back in the day. And that is one of the reasons I ended up, you know, heading for Saturn as opposed to all those other alternate systems. Uh, so it was kind of a fun, neat thing, but I think I'm ready to come back to, to the sun, to the uh, Saturn and, and, and give it some love for sure. I'm excited. Yeah. You should have the, you should do for the police notch challenge, play through it without being a piece of garbage human being. I'm not, not sure what that, that means, I'm but I'm I not, will it's try. You, it's, um, it's, uh, I know what sorry. he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I won't spoil it for you, but there's, you know what? Uh, that's fair. It's That'll so, be my 2022 resolution is I will not be a garbage human being or He's saying don't said. don't play it how Hideo Kojima would play. It, yeah, sorry. What, what I meant to what I meant to say ah. is is don't make the player the character you play be a piece of shit. Okay. But that's a feature. I, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. My question for you Peter is uh how's how's bikini bottom? Oh. <laughs> so Okay, I I am at uh, ninety nine spatulas. Nice. So it's a it's a it's a GameCube game that uh, uh, you know Nick sent over to me, and I have been I have surprisingly enjoying it. I did not think that I would enjoy it simply because it's a like it's a like it's it's a TV license, and those don't always turn out to be very good games. But yeah, SpongeBob Battle, Battle for uh, Bikini Bottom has been a pleasant surprise, and yeah, the the last spatula that I've got to get, you've got to collect a hundred spatulas to to you know fully complete the game. The last one that's remaining is with uh, Mr. Patrick Star, and he just needs mm. me to bring him a few more socks. I've got six more socks to find, and I do need more. And socks. Life is good, so <laughs> so it's an yeah, it's an excellent little GameCube game. Like my GameCube collection's really really small. I've been thinning it out and everything, but this one, this game just really took me by surprise. So thank you again, Mr. Mm-hmm. Pandemonium. 
And sorry for sending that thing two months late. <laughs> yeah, in all honesty, I need to get my GameCube stuff up. I haven't collected for it since 2020, but the prices are so crazy for it. It's like, I don't want to... It's like, why would I spend that much when I could buy like five records? Or if I'm insane, which I usually am, buying one box set for that amount of money. I think GameCube is worse for disc rot too than even Saturn. <laughs> yeah. Right? I actually never had any issues with it. You never I, had any issues? It's, ramp oh. it's rampant with you. I've been know. collecting never... Japanese GameCube games and I don't have any problems with that. Not yet, at least. The Japanese well, boxes cool. are great, by the way. They They're take like good care of their stuff. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I love my GameCube stuff. But uh, I guess uh, last but not least, or I guess second to last but not least is also me. What about you, uh, Ben? What are you up to? <laughs> oh, that's great. No, I was, um, so I'm still thinking of the maple moose that uh, we brought up earlier. If that's like a, uh, a name for, say like a wrestler or something like that, or is that like a nickname <laughs> for a spy? Yeah, we're contacting the maple moose. So uh, Wait, what? I think Peter's I'm out of the maple moose. moose. Yeah, Peter's the Maple Moose. Secrets out. And uh, that's it. All right, so um, so me, it's been a lot of work. Um, in real life, I have a very, very busy job. And um, so last year was a very busy year for me. Um, I am finally got that rounded the corner at the end of the year. So I've been able to focus a little bit more on uh, doing some more of the gaming stuff that I wanted to focus on. So uh, fortunately, you'll see a little bit more of me coming in this year, which is fantastic. I just, I've I'm been wanting to, to do see. that. Gaming wise, uh, I've moved my my TV. My neighbors gave me a 250 pound uh, Sony Trinitron, and nice. uh, this thing was a pain in the ass to move in, but it looks great. It's fantastic, and um, so I've got it all hooked up, and uh, I've been playing some Atari games on it, Atari 5200, and um, uh, some of the more recent stuff that I've been playing is the um, Alan Wake Universe games. Mm. Uh, started basically with Control, which is absolutely amazing wait controls in the alan wake universe mm -hmm. yep i did not know that i thought i didn't i didn't even think about that does that mean that max Payne is in the alan wake universe yeah, they're so they're trying to tie this all together with like Max Payne, Alan Wake, uh, Quantum Break, and uh, oh, there's something else in there. Um, I think I'm just thinking Alan Wake itself, and it's supposed to be eventually this connected universe. And I can't wait for the next game to come out to uh, basically tie it all together, which would be amazing. And so right now I'm playing Quantum Break, and I missed it when it first came out, and it's absolutely fantastic. I'm having a lot of fun with that. Uh, but um, but aside from that, uh, Saturn-wise, um, I'm going to be playing a, a few of the older games and uh, some of the Japanese stuff that I've been missing out on. And one of these days, I'll finish Virus. You'll you'll you'll, you'll finally venture out of the, the bedroom, get to the bathroom, <laughs> and get stuck in that. Oh my god! Yeah, I'll get out of the bedroom finally, and then here we go, next room, and I'm trapped. Seems like a fun game though. If somebody uh, manages to translate it or something. Yeah, that would be nice. Otherwise, you just got to go go with a guide, right? Yep, pretty much. Or just click everything. Although just I tried that everything. and it didn't work. Yeah, or learn Japanese. Doesn't always doesn't always work. You mean Japanese? <laughs> ja Japanese. What about you, Pat? What's uh, up? Hmm. Uh, well, recently I've been getting back into the vinyl stuff again. I usually take a break from certain hobbies. I'll like do hobbies for a little bit for a while. I'll take a break from it. Like I did retro gaming collecting and PC stuff in 2020 and a little bit of 2021, but 
kind of stopped when the price was getting crazy and it's like anything decent is fifty dollars and or more. Mm. So I went to records where it's still kind of high, but at least it's not as expensive for like getting everything on the medium. So I got to this giant Beatles um, mobile fidelity box set, and then like a couple months later, I got a another box that I found because I bought the first I bought was like nine hundred dollars. Then I got the next box that it was at Azia, and they mislabeled it as three hundred dollars. Is that the so Stones? I, uh, oh, no, that's that's the the Beatles one. So I got two oh, Beatles box the, sets. Oh wow, both mono. I gave uh, no. Uh, it's ste- they're both stereo boxes. Oh okay, okay. I have the mono box. I got that in fourteen, but that's okay. that, that's that's like a staple in my collection. But then I got the yeah, like I said, I got that, and I gave that to, the other one to my parents because they're big Beatles fans, and thankfully I'm gonna get it someday so it's still in my collection technically but it's just in the vaults per se so i'll get that eventually back but i kind of like it and i kind of want to hold on to it because i don't know what the price is going to happen with it so mm. it'll be cool to see if it goes up exponentially or goes down exponentially but i mean for 300 dollars is a decent investment so and then i got uh, i found a rolling stones box set at another record that. store a couple a couple weeks later which i also picked up on actually i picked up on the first uh, on new year's i was like you know what new year new vinyl so i went to, did some vinyl shopping got that box set uh, i think it was like 650 for that uh, wow it's not the most it's not the, the cleanest version of it but I, it was a pretty good deal cuz it's a that's mm. also another $1000 box so uh, Z has been slipping on that. So, and besides that, just listening to a lot of jazz, listening to a lot of Bill Evans, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, love Art B- Blakey, all mm-hmm. stuff like that. I'm a big jazz guy. And uh, in terms of games, uh, played Snatcher over the holiday. Of course, got to play Snatcher. And of course, the homebrew games and um, Chris and... Mingle. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah, definitely Chris Mingle. Play some Chris Christmas game. Yeah, and uh, trying to get through uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, but I'm at a point where I'm bored with it, so yeah. I don't know if I want to keep playing it. It just, I don't know. I think I just, I'm tired of finding these quests, so I think I'm just gonna be like, you know what? I'm, I'm just gonna finish the game because I'm not gonna finish it otherwise, hmm. and then move on to something else that's not Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> exactly. And you and Nick put out. I don't think we talked about this since the last podcast. Oh, yeah, you you and Nick that. put out like this huge ass video oh, yeah. on Bulk yeah, Slash. Big ass Slash video, <laughs> which yeah, was excellent, by the way. Thank you, thank you. I'm yeah. glad you enjoyed it. Uh, Nick yeah, did. Bob was like, I, I, I don't know how to get, write an article about all. They've had so many videos on Bulk Slash, and somebody <laughs> told him there's like one video you need to watch, and it tells you everything you need to know. Got one nice, good, cohesive one. <laughs> yeah, because Shadow Master was like, and Bob's like, I ain't watching. I ain't watching like, tw- like. <laughs> Eight hours of bulk slash videos. To <laughs> yeah, eight one hour live streams. It's like, uh, here you go. This is twenty seven minute video. Is that good enough? It's like, uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and then he watches like, oh, that's awesome video. And shouts out for Bob to doing that. And also, yeah, just want to thank him for bringing us on as video uh, or article writers. So that's really cool of him to do. Yeah. Uh, I think we're all we're all been big fans of us. Uh, honestly, I think I took both uh Ben and Peter by surprise though. They're like. Wait, what's going on? I saw Bob in like a yeah, like, a, like one of our private chats, and I'm like, what the f- what's going on, you guys? Well, it took me by surprise too because he just he just texted us early in the morning. It was like, let's do a podcast. 
Pat and I were available. So we're like, okay. Nice. And then like after the podcast, he's like, so you guys want to write for our site? <laughs> and I mean, like, that's a no brainer question. That's like, okay, like, anything yeah. that's on Shiro, we right. can get it to a bigger, we can get it to like thousands of more eyeballs, you know, by doing that. So it only helps us out. So mm-hmm. yeah, like, like the videos we did for the, like I did for the article that we wrote up for the uh, translations for Vatergy and um, a chaos field. Those already have like in the, the 300 plus views. Mm-hmm. So uh, that usually would not be that high in that instance, but maybe it would have been. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. We were ever growing, so I don't know. So, yeah, that uh, that was kind of cool to do, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll keep keep that going. I was hoping to try to get an article a week up on there for him, but we'll we'll see. I definitely have stuff in the backlog I can mm-hmm. put on there that he probably hasn't talked about. So, and it's all yeah. stuff we'll still post on Shiro's website anyhow. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, none of the stuff is not going to be posted. It's going to be a Reader's Digest version, then linked back to Shiro. Mm-hmm. So, well, big thanks to Bob. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be great. And I, I did a write-up for Zidane's thing that he did. Um, I, I mean, we talked about this on the Shiro show, but for folks, real quick, Zidane brought back the leaderboards for Sega Touring Car, which Ooh. is kind of a guilty pleasure for me. And I, any any added functionality, bringing back original functionality, I, I love it, you know, because the Saturn is just one of those consoles that push technology in so many different ways. Like Peter, with the F, with the, you got the hard or the floppy disk drive, you got the, the serial link cable. They just, they were just way ahead of their time. So the fact that Zyden did that and brought it back, um, people can grab a, uh, people can get, grab a dream pie, Netlink modem, and they can play the game and put their scores up online now. So awesome stuff. Thank you very much, Zyden. Thank you for everyone in the community for doing all the stuff that you do. Mm-hmm. There's so much stuff. It's insane. Yeah. All right. Anything else before we move on that we forgot to bring up? Are we good to go to I talk think that about? That covers us for news. Yeah. All righty. So today we'll be talking about the famous 3D action-adventure game Tomb Raider. Uh, how this topic came up is I think we literally asked what we should talk about, and Nick was like, uh, Tomb Raider, and I was like, bingo, let's do it. I literally looked up at my shelf of Saturn games, saw my copy of Tomb Raider, and said, hey, <laughs> why not? what about Tomb Raider? And so the episode was born. Yes, there's definitely a lot we could talk about with that, and I know... There's a lot of outstanding stuff we definitely need to and have been talked about in the past that 
I think would be important for this this podcast. So um, I guess uh, to start with, when we t- we'll talk a little bit about the game. So the game uh, Tomb Raider, of course, that's the name of it. How, what they named it uh, was published by Eidos Interactive, which later, weirdly enough, got bought out by Square Enix. So technically, there's a Square Enix game on the Saturn. Does that count? Sure. Maybe. Sure. It's theirs not? now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, but it's developed by Core Designs. I don't think they really developed the game. I, I don't actually. I didn't know what else they, did, they developed besides that. I think it was Soulstar on the. They did, Core did a bunch of stuff like on the Amiga, they did a ton of things, a yeah. ton of stuff on oh, the yeah. Genesis. That Soulstar was like a technical marvel on the on the uh, like Genesis 32x. You know, um, yeah. No, they had a really good relationship with Sega actually. So yeah, because For... they basically they basically I guess they want. Tomb Raider to be an exclusive on the Saturn, mm-hmm. or is in the works of that. But well, honestly... it's a, you know it's funny because and I don't when I'm really excited for Nick to do a video on this someday. <laughs> I know someday. It's, it's gonna happen, <laughs> but it's gonna be a while because I know that he's really gonna dig up everything. But from I I actually have to stand corrected because I always thought like for this whole time that it, it was conceived as a Saturn game. It's from recent from recent research that I have done. It sounds like. Sony came to core looking for a game to push 3D on their platform. And so it was conceived as a, as a PlayStation game. Within that time, it was ported almost simultaneously over to the Saturn as well. And then because of Sat, because of core's relationship, first they're a UK developer and they had a huge strong relationship with Sega over the years. They were able to do a timed exclusivity, like a six week uh, advance launch. So then in the and that public, was just Europe. Yes, that and that was just, just Europe. And the mm-hmm. game launched with some problems, actually. Uh, it was missing some things. It had some glitchy stuff that got fixed in the North American version. But in the collective conscious, then it becomes kind of like a, it was on Saturn first because of that. But um, And I mean, as a Saturn Uber fan, I would love to just say, oh, yeah, it was. But I think, I, I think there's more information out there that leads me to believe that it was at least conceived as a as both platforms or originally conceived as a sony title i think it was they they went and they saw the playstation at like uh what was it like some kind of a yeah they they someone who worked on tomb raider saw the playstation right and they're like hey this is cool we should do a 3d game right and then toby guard uh, yeah, famed for making Sega CD classic BC racers. Right. <laughs> yes, he was the one, the one that, that kind of was like, Let, "Let's do a, let's do this. Let's mm-hmm. let's make a lore, a game with this Laura Croft character and yeah. have a nice big 3D adventure." And then they just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, yeah. It looks like they, that they also did a Swagman, which is I think is one Peter talked about quite a bit. Right. Yeah. Yes. The yes. They did a lot they of did. Mega Drive games. Core designed did a lot of Sega CD games. It looked like mm-hmm. they might have done more Sega CD games than yeah. just standard Genesis Mega Drive. And games. this was before also- IDOS. This was before yeah. IDOS. And uh, I think it was actually supposed to be a dude, but they didn't want to look at his ass like for the whole game. So they were like, let's make it a chick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's Classic. that's from from, from some old uh, IGN. Or uh, you know, next generation well, interviews I mean, that I, <laughs> they were yeah. just like. So <laughs> they just did the fighting force, which I think was um, <laughs> was the fighting force that was supposed to be final a final fight game on Saturn. But that's they, right, yeah, never yeah, released. So, but or a Streets never, of Rage was it? I can't remember. I think yeah, it was one of yeah, those. Sorry, two, yeah, I say Final Fight I meant Streets of Rage. He meant Streets of Rage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fighting yeah. force. I mean, eventually the second one came out on Dreamcast, but I mean. Uh, mm-hmm. 
There was a Fighting Force 2 specifically, or was it? I, I can't remember, but I'm, I think it was yeah, the first one. Then it never came out on Saturn, but the second one came out on Dreamcast. So. Right, because <laughs> because by the time by so because it did so incredibly well on PlayStation, helped move consoles and and act as like a benchmark for 3D on the PlayStation, everything like that. It almost became uh, synonymous with PlayStation in people's minds, I guess. And then IDOS was like let uh and then sony approached idos and it's actually i found a citation for this like they literally reached out and said let's secure this as an exclusive uh tomb raider 2 and at that time idos was like okay well i mean saturn's not doing well anyway so it makes sense um yeah you know what i'd like to know why in japan the game is called tomb raiders i was wondering the same right by victor right yeah they needed tomb raiders Maybe because she, she she raids multiple tombs in the game, and Must that makes a, sense. A pre-existing name, you don't think? I mean, it's just it's weird because I don't think they've actually changed that much or any of the game content, as far as I know. As far as I know, it's the same game, but mm-hmm. but why the title was pluralized would remain a mystery. I did not research that part. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a it's a Japanese thing cuz like there's like I think a lot of games that are like have Japanese English-esque names always are plural in a way like police knots or oh wait, oh, there's also snatcher that's only like that's singular but in Megan Marie's 20 Years of Tomb Raider, I guess like a book uh, commemorating core designs, Jeremy Heath Smith reminisce about the deal, stating how difficult but sensible a decision it had been. Sony was acutely aware of how su- successful it suddenly was. People were buying PlayStations to play Tomb Raider, and there were so many other good games coming out on PlayStation, so the incentive for people to buy that over Saturn was a simple choice. Basically. Maybe we should give some back statement to that, where basically... Uh, originally, the Tomb Raider was released on the Saturn and mm-hmm. Europe exclusively. Yep. And then later coming to North America mm-hmm. and the PlayStation in both countries. Uh, and a couple of months later in November, so it's about a couple week gap, I guess. Right. About. And then, um, and then, yeah, like we were saying, once they saw the success, they decided to make a deal where Tomb Raider Two was going to exclusively come out on the PlayStation. Yeah. So, oh, PlayStation. They, they were PC. going to make a a Saturn version of Tomb Raider. They were. Two. It, it so, was in development. Yeah, it was in development. Um, yes. And then uh, shelved for quote technical issues, which you know. On May twenty first of nineteen ninety seven, IGN uh, posted Sony Vice for Tomb Raider two exclusive. Executives at Sony are looking to make Tomb Raider two an exclusive PlayStation title, and that goes on, and um, we can put that in the, uh, um, we can put that in the show notes or whatever, but um. But yeah, I, you know, one thing I learned that I didn't realize is that it was actually ported to Saturn. So it was like code that they had started working on the PlayStation version. Probably they got a quicker start, you know, because of the development tools, if we're being realistic. I mean, we know a bunch of homebrew developers and we know how, you know, the things they have to jump through to push. So so they they were doing like, um, or maybe, you know, similar to NBA Jam, like, like Nick explained in his video where they're kind of doing it simultaneously and porting the code back and forth. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so... See a nice, like going through older publications of the time. I am positive that it was developed first on Saturn, at mm-hmm. least begun first on Saturn, and then eventually mm-hmm. transitioned to PlayStation. So mm. I'm not, you know, I and I, I, I don't want to say I'm a hundred percent on it because I'm not. We don't know. Who I'm knows? not either. 
this is coming that this is what I got recently from Sega Retro. And I know Sega Retro is not 100%, but this is it. This is why I'm really excited for uh, Nick to do some more digging because right now I couldn't say either way. Like, unless, yeah, but I would love to, I would love to read those sources too, Peter. Uh, because it's again, a lot of again, pre-production work for Nick's uh, Tomb Raider video. I know. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's right. Nailing it, it like down is going to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I want to direct you guys' attention to a um, a Sega Saturn magazine uh, okay. UK uh, article. It was, or I guess, a brief. It wasn't really an article. Mm-hmm. The magazine issue was July 1997, mm-hmm. and this was right when Tomb Raider 2 was uh, pretty much announced that it was going to only be on the PlayStation and PC. Mm. And so they have a little brief uh, called Tomb Raider 2 Jeopardy. Shocking news reaches Sega Saturn magazine, and they say, you know, talking about how Tomb Raider 2 is you know they're vying for a playstation exclusive and they're probably not going to um put it out on saturn and at the end of the article at the end of this brief write-up it says core have confirmed that their two other major products fighting force and the potentially amazing ninja will in bold definitely be coming for the saturn that's neither of those games came out for the sega saturn Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Both well, okay, so, and then the other thing, too, is for a while, especially in the British uh, magazines, there was talk that, because remember at the time, Virtua Fighter 3 had been announced for the Saturn, and there was talk that there was going to be some sort of a accelerator, graphic accelerator cartridge mm-hmm. uh, that would be developed for the right. game, and that uh, Core had, you know, received some sort of early access to this cartridge, and that they were going to be developing Tomb Raider 2 using this Accelerate cartridge. You know, for, for a while there, a few months, it was on again, off again with Saturn Tomb Raider 2 before Sony finally locked it up. And I don't know if there's any truth to that or whether it was simply just a business move on the part of Sony to, to lock it down. Um, but yeah, it took a while before it was finally confirmed. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and Sony locked them down until December 31st, 1999. They locked yes. down the Lara Croft sort of the IP there. So, you know, kudos to them. I mean, they had the money, so they went ahead and did it. And I feel awkward wearing the shirt. <laughs> you traitor. <laughs> as soon as, as soon as it ran out though, they were, IDOS was quick to, to move to Dreamcast, you know, to get it, to get it out on Dreamcast. Cause you know, at that time, Dreamcast was actually doing gangbusters at the beginning there, at least. Yeah, because uh, yep. the last Revelation Chronicles did end up coming out on the Dreamcast. Yeah, yeah. I want to read this real quick. So again, take this with a grain of salt because again, I, I do respect Sega Retro as a source. I just know that they're not like infallible. And I mean, what I've learned from, from Nick's research is that you can always do more research. You can always find more breadcrumbs. So um, I'll definitely want to hear his follow-up. But it just says, History on the development. Tomb Raider was one of the first true 3D titles to be t- undertaken by Core Design following a trip to the United States where, in which producer Jeremy Heath Smith caught wind of Sony's PlayStation console and asked the company to come up with ideas for 3D games. Tomb Raider was put forward by BC Racers anim- animator Toby Gard, who did the bulk of the design work surrounding Laura Croft and her in-game animations. IDOS and Core signed a deal with Sega to ship the game six weeks early in Europe as an exclusive title on the Saturn. While Tomb Raider became one of the best selling Saturn games on the market, Saturn sales were less than a quarter of what the PlayStation had. Um, and, and at the very beginning, it just says that it was conceived as a game for uh, PlayStation and then ported to the Saturn and released on Saturn first. That's their take based on certain citations. But uh, again, like 
I, this is like, this is interesting because I, I do kind of feel like we don't, we can't really pigeonhole it precisely, you know? Mm-hmm. It could have been one of those things where it was like being developed simultaneously because both consoles were very were were very uh, um, viable at that time, right? So it's like they would have just said, oh, "Well, they're both going to be a hit," right? They didn't know yet. So I imagine just like NBA Jam, for example, they'd have been doing them at the same time, you know. So how fair is it to say that one was first or the other? I don't know. To me, that whole sort of story goes to show how shrewd the um the folks oh, yeah. in charge at Sony were like I mean you know they came into a scene where Sony or sorry Sega and Nintendo were kind of doing things the way that they had always done them mm-hmm. and they just kind of came in and treated it in my view as much more of a business yeah. uh, as opposed to just you know you know being a game company and so they just they outmaneuvered Sega in that respect uh in my opinion and history is written by the victors, right? So that's the other sure. reason why you have a. I have a tendency to kind of just be a little, you know, hesitant to just accept it out of hand, you know. Well, yeah. wasn't there a tweet recently by uh, Sony that they were? Um, oh yes, yes. Uh, celebrating, you know, Sony literally tried to rewrite history yes. on their official UK Twitter account. They, they, right, uh, like pretend that it yeah. didn't even. <laughs> yeah, right. They acted like PlayStation was the first console to have Tomb Raider. They, they are wrong. Well, they took they, so they took credit for the day that it released on Saturn, right? They yeah. took they took credit for it releasing on PlayStation that day when it wouldn't come for like another six weeks. Yeah, that was it. That was funny. They got called out and they never apologized. No, yeah, yeah. I just think it's kind of sad, really, that you know, and people are like, "Oh, what does it matter? It did better on the PlayStation," and it's like right, that's right. not really the point, you know? Yeah. It's it performed like, better on the PlayStation too, arguably. I mean, even John Linneman did like a breakdown of it, and it—I it, uh, think it was like twenty to twenty-five frames per second on Saturn. Yeah, it looks better on PlayStation. Yeah, it, they, it ran better. You have to remember that the the people making Saturn on the Tomb Raider basically did not use the second video display processor. Right. And for those uninitiated, the Saturn has two video display processors known known often you know often called VDP one and VDP two. VDP one takes care of like the characters on screen, a lot of the polygonal environments, whereas VDP2 is more for like background skyboxes. Right. That's the same case Infinite with plane. sprite game, sprite-based games. Like if you're yes. playing Panzer Dragoon, that that water that extends into the horizon, that's VDP2. Right. Like the skyboxes, that's VDP2. The dragon, that's VDP1. But it was in um, a cave, so there's no real way you could use it. You, you couldn't. Know? No. Yeah. It, Tomb Raider was pretty much only using VDP1. It was right. if it was using VDP2, it was barely pumping its engines at all right and therefore it wasn't using all of the saturn's power but like you said david it's in a cave now burning rangers figured out how to get some guts out of vdp2 for its largely indoor environments but you know core did not take the time probably didn't have the time to figure Mm -hmm. that out they probably had to pump this out asap that's what we have to point out is that a lot of these developers nowadays they're able to get all out of the Saturn because we have right. retrospect knowledge and mm-hmm. you know even though technically they're reinventing the wheel per se because yes. then we don't have the tools and the technology mm-hmm. that we had with Sega right um, for the most part all these tools mm. are really are really new to us and they have the time all the time in the world to use them mm-hmm. and learn them while uh, core designs had like maybe. A couple months or a year and a half before their funding ran out and they were completely dead in the water yeah that's a really important point too because playstation for example 
I know you you watched that. Um, I don't know. It's a postmortem, or it was like an interview with the guys uh, guys at Naughty Dog, and they talked about how they really had to like crack open the PlayStation and work outside the constraints that Sony wanted yeah, them to. Right. It like yeah. never would have passed QA, but they kind of got it in under the under the radar. Uh, so it's like PlayStation had a very, very strict construct of how you were to work with it, right? Whereas Saturn, it's kind of like a sandbox. It's like, here's a bunch of chips. Good luck. You know, I mean, you, you can, <laughs> if you're smart enough and you can get creative, you can work things out, you know? And that's, you mentioned Burning Rangers. Well, Low Scoreboy went on YouTube with a video talking about how ass backwards that game is in terms of like how it actually works right it, it's counter logic to like how anybody would design games before that they kind of used a bunch of you know a bunch of like on the fly methods to make stuff work you know which is what we're seeing a lot of homebrew developers do now they're like okay let's let's try to like forget about the the confines of like Q, what would pass qa let's mm. just make this work you know however we can you know so yeah like what's what Steve Snake from Iguana UK, uh, NBA Jam developer, and uh, many other games, um, said that a uh, key difference between Saturn and PlayStation in the mid late nineties is that hmm. the you know yeah the Saturn like you said it was just this bundle of chips this open sandbox and Sega said all right do what you can with it have fun. Mm -hmm. Whereas PlayStation, they were very strict with what you could do with it. Yeah. But what they allowed their developers to do, they were very clear with their instructions, with their engines and their templates, they made it extremely easy. Amazing for tools. Any development company yeah. to make a PlayStation mm -hmm. game. And you know, Sega didn't do that. You could get more out of the Saturn in some ways, but Sega would not hold your hand like Sony did. They yeah. would say like, "All right, good luck, bud. Have fun. We're not even going to translate our manuals for you." Yeah. Well, you I mean, know. they translate them but poorly. Some. Like it's, <laughs> right. Some of them. <laughs> Some of them but very poorly, sorry. Because of the resource bottleneck like you, Suzuki, said, you were lucky if you could get like one and a half times the performance by right. using both CPUs, if you could figure that out. Exactly. You know, and so in the case benefit. of Core, um, you know, they had probably limited time to make these Tomb Raider ports. And that's, you know, they were able to make the PlayStation 1 work as well as it did because they probably had a bunch of templates and engines and, you know, guides and help from Sony to figure it out. Whereas with Sega, they were just like, all right, here's a dev kit. Go for it, bud. Maybe they had SGL, uh, you know, Sega Graphics Library mm. was out at the time. I don't know if they used it, though. There was a quote saying that it improved while they were, um, that it, there was an improved release that came while they were already working on it. <laughs> and so they had to, like, go back and make certain tweaks, but it's like they couldn't completely. Yeah, so they were working with an earlier version of SGL. Yeah. Of SGL, yeah. Yeah, I was actually thinking about uh, the differences in using the actual second chip on the Saturn and how difficult that had to be for developers at the time, considering the time constraints that we had at the time on developers. The second so, CPU? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. And so when you have something where you're like distributing it on both the PlayStation and the Saturn, where you had this easy development for the PlayStation and then they're like, okay, and now bring that over to the Saturn as well mm -hmm. with its dual chips and you have to figure that out. And oh, by the way, you have to be done in eight weeks. And so I'm sure that a lot of the developers were like, oh crap, what, we'll just figure out the one chip. We'll figure out what we need to do to get it on this. And yeah. then we're done. Most cross-platform games, if not any, or if not all, didn't use the second chip because, like, when you had games like Panzer Dragoon's Vi, right, which is a proprietary, you know, ex platform exclusive, they could take their time and they could engineer that game to use the the, pro the two processors. But when you're going cross-platform, 
it takes too much time to try to squeeze anything out of that second CPU. Not to mention the fact that you needed the hardware to debug it, like Nick uh, pointed out in his virtual racing video. You know, it's like you either had that or you didn't have that. Uh, so I think the point, a lot of people will just turn it off, like to begin with. And they'll be like, okay, at least this is straightforward coming over from a one CPU system to another, you know, one CPU situation. You mentioned that Tomb Raider was using SGL, right? Like early, like, yeah, like early builds. Um, so it, it was oh, probably my using... mic just cut out. Hold on a second. No, you're good. Wait, I, we, we hear you. Oh, you hear me? Okay. Yeah. My, uh, sorry, my headphones cut out. Um, yeah, I just read last night and now I'm trying to find that article. Because if, that... if it was using SGL, then they were probably using the second processor because the whole point of SGL was to get basically make a dual processor 3d graphics engine an easy way for developers to get both processors working okay not necessarily the video display processors but like this two sh2s the cpus doesn't necessarily mean that tomb raider is a dual processor game it could very well just be using one yeah i'll try to i'll try to find that quote while while we're t while we continue to talk because there was a there was a quote regarding um a, a new sgl being dropped during the the uh development cycle so we've been talking all this technical stuff um <laughs> does anyone want to talk about like the, the game, game? <laughs> yeah so, talking about into the it. game <laughs> not practice <laughs> what is a what is a tomb raider <laughs> yeah i guess uh i guess for the background on the game itself if you have not heard of tomb raider uh where have you been but uh tomb raider is an action platform in which you play the famous archaeologist or tomb raider if you will laura Cro laura croft or was it, uh, how you say it in British terms? Lara? Lara. It's L-A-R-A, -A, right? Croft. So Lara Croft. Yeah. yeah, Lara. If you say Laura, my wife. Laura. Laura. <laughs> Sounds like a Kenji Eno game. But she's the OG queen of the video game era, of the, of the the boomer shooter and the boomer game era. <laughs> and you are sent to f explore four different areas, Peru, Greece, Egypt, and, and the famous Atlantis, to find treasures and try to get the treasure for this lady that really wants it that hired you and uh it's an interesting game um i was curious what did you guys what are your overall thoughts on it so uh i guess if that's cool i can go first on mine um, do it <laughs> yeah go for I, it i played it for actually for the first time a few days ago i've never actually played a tomb raider game before wow damn so, tell really? me all about it um i was very disappointed with it i had a lot of <laughs> <laughs> all right all right of, that's that's a ghost pepper. you play it on engage you're fired <laughs> no 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 but uh, the game had a ton of input lag like i like i i, I tried two different controllers my mm. retro bit one and like a wired one and it seemed like i would hit a button and then like a second later would do something like i can't tell you how many jumps that i missed ba like based off of mm -hmm. me hitting the button at the wrong time or not before the jump mm-hmm Mm -hmm. And it was just a nightmare. Like, I don't know, like, in controlling it, I, like, run to a wall, and she's like, uh, uh, and I have to, like, back up, like, tank controls yep. and, like, navigates. Uh, the buttons are very unforgiving, so you have to hold the button down mm -hmm. to really do stuff. Sorry, there's yelling on the other You're one. spoiled, Pat. I have yeah, to. Yeah, you have to hold the button down to do things. Uh, I didn't realize that you had to hold the button. There's, like, a lot of holding. Like, I kept pressing yes. stuff, like, swimming, and it's just like, uh, uh, she's, like, staying in places, like, Oh, you actually have to hold the button down to swim, which is. Did kinda... you go to the tutorial gym before doing any of the gameplay? <laughs> that Absolutely been helpful. not. I didn't know that exact <laughs> that it existed. At the main menu, mm -hmm, <laughs> there mm -hmm. is a option to, I, I think some 
some versions of the game call it Lara's house. I think this calls it the gym, but it still takes yeah. place at Lara's house. But that's a whole like tutorial mode where Lara like narrates, hey, welcome to my house. This is my pad. I'm British. Here's how you play this game and control me. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just like I assume that it would be straightforward. I didn't really expect oh. <laughs> I didn't really expect going in. So what you're described. Yeah. What you're describing, believe it or not, used to be normal. <laughs> I, am, I am afraid to say before Super Mario 64 came out, I think people accepted that input lag you're talking about where you're like trying, you have to like press the button and then she backs up and then you press the button and she, she moves to the side and it's like a second delayed. And then you play like Super Mario 64 and it like revolutionized everything. You were like, oh my God, he's actually right. moving as I'm moving. You know, that like yeah. that was mind blowing. Croc had the, the same first, thing. Yeah, the first Mortal Kombat compared to the second Mortal Kombat was notorious for that. The first one, so much input lag, but everybody was so used to it at that point mm -hmm. that when Mortal Kombat 2 came out and it was just revolutionary. Instant, or, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it just was a. I, I was just a bit disappointed in controls, especially with the. Not only yeah. the input lag, but the lag of the game itself. It's very. Really has some frame issues, especially in the larger corridors. Mm -hmm. It definitely becomes a nightmare in the combat. Like, like I said, I think I probably should have played that tutorial island, but you'll see in the footage right now that I'm having a lot of problems. Like, especially when I'm shooting like the things, I'm like rolling around in circles, doing backflips, trying to shoot them to death. <laughs> mm. Yep. And like, I guess shell. I got shotgun and magnum shells, but I don't know how to use the guns for them, or if I had to find a gun for it. Those bat. Those damn bats, right? You gotta find the guns. <laughs> the bats the are fine. The it bats are okay. It was the bear and like the the wolves that were the issue. Like I remember, yeah. did you get I to think the dinosaurs? T Rex? Not yet. Um, oh, I think you're gonna hate him. <laughs> I I got to the area <laughs> where it's in it's in the cave with the it's like a stable in there, and I'm looking in there. All of a sudden, a bear just tackles me to the ground and like keeps and like gets me stuck in a corner and like just keeps running at me, and I'm like stuck in the corner <laughs> trying to shoot him, and then he just kills me. Having played these games a few times, I'm very, I am taking a lot of joy with Pat's play-by-play -play experience of his mm -hmm. his modern take on going in blind on the first Tomb Raider game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't expect it to be as I guess the nicest way to say as archaic as it was. Mm -hmm. It was pretty. I know, archaic, probably yeah. piss. I, I I might be pissing off a bunch of people by saying this, but like, I mean, I don't hate the game. Honestly, I. Mm -hmm. kind of enjoyed it i really liked it and i kind of want to go back in and, and play it again because i actually felt really accomplished going through the caves and stuff and yeah. i really had a good time playing it minus the lag and getting glitched in the corner here's what you got to do get good um well that but <laughs> um there, there's a couple things you can do first is to just kind of retune your mind into the time when there were no standards for these mm -hmm. types of 3d action games particularly with tomb raider it is very much a grid based level design think of an isometric 2d game or like a top down or you know those types of games where everything's kind of laid out in a grid um tomb raider is laid out in a grid all your jumps all your movement options are designed to be going from one grid to the next. And you can see it with like the square shaped textures that are everywhere in the square shaped platforms and boxes. I didn't ever Some think of them about that. Slanted. Um, that's kind of the way it works. And it's not so much like Mario 64 where you press a right. and immediately do jumps. It's like, um, 
when you press A, Laura begins to start jumping. It's like you're puppeteering her as opposed to her being an extension of your thumbs. Agreed. Um, that's kind of what it's like. Uh, the other thing you can do is say it all and play Tomb Raider Anniversary for PS2. That is a recreation of the first Tomb Raider game where you get to enjoy the wonderful level design with modern controls that work the way you will want them to work. Not grid based, none of that bullshit. It just works great. Um, Interesting. I never thought is, of it yeah. as a grid based perspective. Like I didn't, I didn't even think of that. I I was like thinking about it, like because I know Metal Gear Solid actually is that way too. It's technically a mm -hmm. first one's a grid based game in a way. Even if it looks to be, there's definitely a lot of grid based interactions with that. So exactly, yeah, it's kind of like that. Um, except this is cameras behind Laura. You don't see Snake's ass, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's, a, he's such a nice ass, too. But anyway, that's what I do. Um, <laughs> anyways, if, if, you're, if you get, if you just cannot stand Saturn Tomb Raider or PlayStation, if you can't stand the first original version of Tomb Raider on any platform, I, I would at least recommend trying Tomb Raider Anniversary on PS2, just so you can experience the um, kind of what the retro Lara is like on a, mm -hmm. I guess, more modern take of the game. Um, yeah, a more playable version of it to modern standards, if that's how you want to put it. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. I think Open Lara is doing it on Dreamcast too, right? There's a there's a Dreamcast branch of that, and then there's a 3DO branch of it, like recently. Uh, so they're putting it on other platforms. But yeah, the Saturn version is like 20 frames per second i think when you yeah. get into a big cavern like that yeah it drops and it's significant like you feel it you don't get that on the playstation version um, playstation keeps it at 30 pretty consistent saturn yeah. everything's a little darker darker it, the sound is really compressed the, uh, the there gunch. are some textures that work better on the saturn than they do on playstation yeah. and yeah. some of the shading effects tend to work better on saturn but um the visual overall look of it is mm -hmm. just brighter, vibrant, and less stuttery on PlayStation. That's mostly because of how they do Gorod shading. There's a there, yeah. it, it, Saturn does Gorod shading really differently, so everything mm -hmm. is really dark and grungy. But all the articles that I've read say that the water looks better on Saturn. I'm like, really? Does it? I don't know. Does it? <laughs> they look similar I I to me. It. It'd be nice if it would la it would stop lagging enough to be able to see that. <laughs> So uh, kind of going around the circle here, we're talking about you know, kind of our impressions in Saturn Tomb Raider. Um, yeah. Uh, let's start with Peter. I feel like we haven't yeah. heard from, from you a lot. Uh, tell us, what did you think? Have you played it before? Is this your first time? So I got Saturn Tomb Raider in 96. Hell yeah. And I absolutely loved it. The reason it was so special to me at the time was... Up until then, I hadn't yet seen anything come out on the 32-bit systems that was super original that wasn't an arcade port. You know what I mean? So to me, this was like, okay, this is what 32-bits can get you. Like, this couldn't have existed on the Genesis or Super NES or whatever. Um, and it's not something that came over from the arcade. So this is a completely original console IP, and it was great. I love the controls, but then again, I mainly play um, games from the Saturn era. I don't find the the delays to uh, 
you know, really bother me that much in between like pressing the buttons and, and the actions. You get used to it extremely quickly, in my opinion. Um, I love Croft Manor. That's the, the training level. So you get to go through Lara's, Lara's mansion. Yeah. And, you know, there's different areas that you have to sort of, and it's very naturally done. This wasn't done before in games where you get this sort of awesome tutorial. So, you, you know, she, she starts off with, oh, I've got some boxes in here and I haven't moved them into storage. And so you have to figure out how to vault onto ledges and boxes and whatever. Then you go to her ballroom, which she's converted into a gym, you know, and so there's a bunch of little obstacle courses that she set up for you to go through. And the last sort of thing is you go to her private pool and she's got a little pool there. And so you can jump in and sort of understand, you know, how to swim around and whatever. And the, 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 the best thing ever. So you got to understand I'm a, I'm a teenager at this point. So Lara gets out of the pool and she says in her delightful <laughs> British accent, right, I'd better get out of these wet clothes. And it just yes. fades out right there. And then it was like, what? Yeah, nude coat. What just happened? Gotta find the nude coat. <laughs> so it was just, yeah, it was delightfully done. It was just amazing. And then you get into the game. Um, so my initial experiences were the first few levels. The bathroom? <laughs> well, you know, it, it was a, it was a hard experience after that. Let's, let's put it that way. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, anyways, anyways, so anyways, robbing your way into the first level of the game. I, I just thrust it in. I did not hold back. It was, you know, a full on anyways. Okay. 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 <laughs> You're in Peru. <laughs> yes. we're, we're in Peru. First of all, the storyline was was interesting because it was a lot more mature than, you know, save the princess or defeat the Eggman or whatever. So it had a, a bit of maturity to it. I thought the first few levels were very dark and that kind of bothered me because it was like, okay, I'm having a hard time seeing in certain situations. Um, got used to the, you know, the bats and the wolves pretty quickly, fell into that pit there and the bear just scared the the daylights out of me. I wasn't expecting anything like that in that sort of adventure. Um, but what really sort of cemented my love for the original Tomb Raider, for Saturn Tomb Raider specifically, is you finally get to uh, this scene in like the fourth or fifth level where um, Lara finds the first piece of the um, the Skion. Yeah. And, or the Sion, and, and, and there's a scene that plays out, a cutscene where Pierre, this other guy, was chasing her. I can't remember if it's Pierre or some other guy. Anyways, it turns out that she realizes, okay, there's more to this than I originally thought. Like, the lady that hired me, Jacqueline Natla, I think her name was, you know, she's after more pieces of it. And then you end up going to the next sort of world. So you go from Peru to, um, I want to, it's not... It's not the Egypt one. It's Greece, I think. I can't remember. Anyways, yeah, it's, it's a Greece. completely... Mm -hmm. Was it Greece? Okay. Completely different uh, theme, tile sets. The puzzles are different. It just... It was phenomenal. And right there, it was like, okay, they, they nailed this. They got this so right. And yeah. again, just keep in mind that my experience that I'm recounting to you is from somebody who... Um, like there, you know, this was before Mario 64, this was before modern games and controls and conventions. So this was just cutting edge. This was top of Absolutely. the line. Right. Um, and then, you know, there are some levels, um, some of the really large open levels where that frame rate, like it drops to like 15 or even 12 and it does mm -hmm. get a little bit janky in some of the really open levels, but, but overall it's just a fantastic adventure. 
the story is engaging, it's thoughtful, and it never exposes so much so that, you know, it, it doesn't spoon, spoon feed everything to you. You mm-hmm. have to sort of interpret and follow it and, and kind of, so your imagination plays a role in it. And overall, it is just, it's a sensational adventure from start to finish. I absolutely loved it. I play through it regularly to this day on the mm-hmm. Saturn with all the controls because it's just that good. Um, it was a big reason why back in the day I ended up getting a PlayStation Um uh, because I had a Saturn for yeah. a number of years before I finally jumped ship, but I did get the PlayStation along with Tomb Raider 2, which, mm. uh, you know, I'll just briefly mention that it wasn't nearly as satisfying as the first game, in my opinion. Um, because the other the other component that it made me realize is that Tomb Raider 1 doesn't have very many human enemies. Like, you're mainly working against, you know, you're figuring out how to move through the environment, there's traps, there's... Um, you know, puzzles to solve, and there's animals to fight off, but you're not really fighting too many human enemies, whereas Tomb Raider 2 became much more about, you know, uh, uh, competing or fighting against human enemies, and that wasn't nearly as appealing. But just generally speaking, just to wrap up here, my overall impressions was that this was a very important title in sort of the history of video gaming, you know? Like, it, it obviously was a boon for Sony. They saw it for what it was. They, you know, locked it down, which was a brilliant move on their part. Um, I'm just happy that we got the first game on the Saturn. And, and like you were saying, you know, ultimately, uh, many more of the Tomb Raider games did come to the Dreamcast. Um, but it was really cool back in 96 to, to play Tomb Raider. It was like nothing uh, that had ever existed before. My big question for you, Peter, is, uh, you know, you were cutting your teeth on this for the Saturn right when it was like brand spanking new. Did you at any point like, of course, you got a PlayStation so you could play the, you know, the newer releases. Uh, did you at any point while playing Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider 1 think, man, I, I really should have gotten this on a different platform? Or were you like, no, this is fine. This is good. No, this was this was amazing. This like Saturn Tomb Raider. And I'd had eventually seen play, uh, Tomb Raider 1 on the PlayStation and it did run with a smoother frame rate. And it, you know, just the type of game it was, it worked better on PlayStation hardware. I did like the water effects better on the Saturn, but no, under no circumstances did I, I, like, to be honest, I thought, how could this get any better? Like, Mm. it was difficult for me to imagine at the time how it could possibly get better, you know? And funny anecdote, there was a, there was a, uh, a local mom and pop video game store that I always got my latest releases from. And at the time that Tomb Raider 2 came out on the PlayStation, he had it running like as a demo on on the big TV in the in the store there. And we were watching it, him and I, just the demo playing through, and we were watching the full motion video opening. And he said to me, you know, Peter, there's going to come a time where this is going to be not nearly as good as real-time graphics. I was like, this guy's, what, what is he talking about? How is this even possible? And then, you know, like just a few years later, here we here we were. So yeah, it was definitely, it, it was such a quantum leap forward that it made it difficult for a young gamer like me to imagine how things could possibly get better. And obviously it didn't, so. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, What about you, Ben? What are your thoughts on Tomb Raider? Oh, so what a great game. This was something that came out when I was growing up, and I got it on the PC, uh, run it through MS-DOS back in the day. And uh, and this this was so good, and like Peter said, it was very groundbreaking at the time. So we look at it now, and it looks 
you know, grainy and textured and all this, but it was really, really impressive back when it first came out. And so the, when I was playing this, uh, this was something that I enjoyed, say it would compare it to uncharted, for example, today. And, um, we would look at this and it'd be fine. We weren't looking at it like it was a, a problem or even the controls. It, it wasn't any issue. It was all about getting used to the game with the controls and the visuals that they had at the time. And so playing this game again is fantastic because I, I haven't played this in so many years. It's ridiculous. I barely remember my playthrough back when I played it back in 96, 97 timeframe. And, um, so, oh, it was great. At the, the beginning, it, I was like, okay, let's go. Let's do this. And it was like handing an arcade racing game to a six-year-old where they're going back and forth in the stage, you know, driving, because I was trying to get used to, you know, walking just straight forward without actual controls of the camera. And um, and then I'm like, okay, let's let's jump forward. And then I jump. I jump straight up. And I'm like, no, 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 forward. And then I jump up again. And I'm like, okay, all right, this is going to take some getting used to. And so it took me a little bit to get used to the controls on the Saturn again. Uh, but once you take a little bit of time to realize how to time your leaps and to time your forward jumps, and the, the first time that you successfully pull off one of those side jumps is very, very satisfying. And uh, so the bear pit, like both of y'all have mentioned, was definitely one of those moments where you're just like, oh, shit. You know, you turn around and you got to kill the bear out of the pit. Um, and it's it's fantastic. The um, reasons to go back to it are numerous, including in case you didn't know all of the secrets that are in the game. It's fun to go back and try to find all the secret areas. And they are very, very well hidden. Um, some of those are in places that you wouldn't even think. I had to go look for guides on some of them to try to just figure out where they were at. Um, and uh, just just a fun game overall. I, I have very few complaints. The, the only real complaints I have with it is, so knowing um, that the frame rate drops on the Saturn, the visuals will get a little glitchy every now and then, stuff like that. But it's just part of the age of the games that came out during that era. So I kind of give it a pass in a way. Yeah, I, I agree with everything Ben just said. And, and Peter, uh, do you mind, you mind if I go? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. So, so to echo what, what Peter and Ben said is like, you can't, I can't even overstate, uh, it's impossible for me to overstate how much of a revolution this game was. It, first of all, it was an adult game. It, you had a sexy woman with, you know, she, she was well endowed. <laughs> she, there was a lot of appeal for teenagers. You saw it as a, you saw it as a very edgy adult game. But this was back when, like, whole, uh, not just not just uh, franchises, but genres were kind of being invented. You had Quake, which was hugely revolutionary. And you'd see it on multiple platforms. You'd see it in the game store with, like, a whole slew of boxes on the shelf. It was that big. They had to stock several copies. Tomb Raider was just about the best thing going back then. It was like Tomb Raider, Quake and need for speed like the original need for speed and it's like those but tomb raider it did so many amazing things that we take for granted in gaming now like let like climbing on ledges and strafing over on a ledge flicking a switch and having an action happen in the other room and having to go find out what it was 
that wasn't something that you that I had ever done before in gaming. You know, it was like, okay, I just moved this lever and I heard a sound. Now I have to go find out uh, what that sound was. The the I was trying to think like all of all the things that we kind of take for granted in gaming. The music was amazing. The audio, the voice, like、uh, Peter was saying, where she talks to you and she kind of has this dialogue of everything she's doing. Again, like I had never played a game like that. I mean, the 3D games I played were like Star Fox on the and SNES and like you know I don't know early games on the PlayStation were like Jet Moto and stuff like that. But this really was just like, okay, wow, this is pushing adventure games. And and making them action oriented, it was just crazy. I I you know I'd run to the the fridge and try to like lead the butler into the fridge, you know, and then you'd run out and flick the switch and try to lock him in there, and he would like clip through the fridge, you know.、Um, as a kid, you do all that kind of random stuff in her house and stuff that it was just fun, you know.、Um, there was this issue where you would jump up; she would just jump straight up. And she wouldn't grab onto a ledge, and you kind of had to like figure out how to actually like grab the ledge and climb up on something we, you would just totally take for granted in a game nowadays, like Uncharted、right. or something. But back then, it was just like learning all this stuff for the first time. Most games, you just run face forward into a cliff. Yes, they'll just do whatever. They'll cl- they'll grab it. They'll vault over it. No, you gotta、right. press A to jump, hold B to catch the ledge,、yeah. and keep holding B for her to、right. like, get up over it. And, so, and the fact then, that you... it was like that's whatever. But yeah, you run it running forward and pressing a button to have her do a somersault and turn around and start firing, like.、Um, Games、yeah. have that now, where there's like a special button to just about face really quickly.、Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like Tomb Raider was one of the first ones that did that,、um, and you know you could just come up shooting. You know,、um, so as far I I played,、um, and I'll try to finish up here. I played it on the PlayStation first. We had a PlayStation in our house before we had a Saturn, so that's how I experienced it first. I、um, I wouldn't get it on Saturn until much later when I was like collecting Saturn games, and they were, it was cheap. And the thing that I remember thinking when I played it on Saturn was, I like this pad better. I like the way the Saturn pad feels better. So, because I, I didn't really enjoy using the digital PlayStation pad back then, you know. I mean, the Dual Analog was great, but、uh, or Dual Shock, but you know, back then it was just the digital PlayStation pad, and it wasn't very comfortable,、uh, and it, and it just made that. Janky, like quirky movement, even jankier. So yeah, playing it on the Saturn pad was great.、Um, and then you know, yeah, there's some there's some frame dip, but it's not that big of a deal. I I, I think the Saturn version was perfectly fine, fun to play.、Uh, it's just like Pat said, you kind of have to go in, just kind of accepting that that's the way old platformers were.、Uh, like Croc has the same exact thing going on where. You you end up falling off ledges so many times, and it d- kind of makes you throw your controller sometimes. But yeah, I、What、think. What did you think of it, Nick? Yeah, yeah. You know,、um, so I you know, I played both the Saturn and PlayStation versions years ago,、uh, just when I got into retro games.、Um, I can't remember which one I beat it on, and I definitely played and beat the Anniversary Edition. For PS2 as well,、um, which even if you've already played this game, that's a good game to play.、Uh, it, it might sound like you're just playing the same game again, but it's a whole new experience, a whole new lens. It's worth your time.、Um, but yeah, I, similar to Dave's situation, growing up we had a PlayStation, so I played a lot of Spyro and Crash. Tomb Raider was one of those games I'd like watch people play while growing up. I didn't really play it. My wife played it a ton growing up. It's part of what got her into video games.、Um, 
and just uh but yeah eventually i did wind up playing you know the original glorious tomb raider uh in its in the the way it was meant to be played on the sega saturn once i got into the <laughs> got into the console you know something to be said about the saturn having the first tomb raider since virtua fighter is a big part of what inspired uh them to do this in the first place uh, it is often said that um, people who worked on Tomb Raider saw 3D polygonal fighters in Virtua Fighter and thought, oh, hey, this is something that we can do now. We can have polygon-based humans in video games and have them be playable humans made with polygons. Um, and um, there was a, a quote from one of the developers, and I seem to have lost it. I had it open in a tab. I think it was from uh, that, it was from the, yeah, Toby Guard uh, had mentioned that um, the original Virtua Fighter only had two uh, women, and oftentimes he'd see people playing as them, um, even though there were only two of them, um, just to have like a, a woman fighter. So, he, you know, that might have been for him part of the reason why. Uh, it seemed like there were a lot of reasons why they chose a woman. One, because they didn't want to look at Nathan Drake's ass. And <laughs> another, perhaps, you know, because the, they just wanted to see more women in games. But um but anyway, I, I don't know. I really enjoy it. I think it's a, a great game to go back to. It's a good reminder of what 3D adventure games were like before um, before things were uh, easier to control, I guess. <laughs> and uh, the game itself, I think, just it, it does run well on Saturn. It has its frame rate issues. Um, but revisiting it, I played it, you know, a, a few levels into it over the past few days. I didn't re-beat it uh, since the podcast, but... Uh, it's an absolute joy to play. I think the combat actually works really well. Um, mm. There's nothing like uh, doing backflips away from something while shooting at it. Yes. Um, that's always fun. <laughs> that never gets old. Uh, getting destroyed by T-Rexes that you forgot were behind the corner. Always fun. Never gets old. And then eventually oh. finding a way to destroy said T-Rex. <laughs> it was tense. That game Always brought <laughs> like the tense vibe with the, the wolves. Like The bear was, was like a thing. legendary moment that, that's been brought yes. up repeatedly. The T-Rex was it really did it for me, especially how that can just one hit kill you right away. Just like yeah. you, you approach it the wrong <laughs> way. You're, like, you're, you're dead. It, yeah. it ate you. Like you're a guy. So and finding your secret passages to like go up and shoot it from like a cave up top. Or maybe you just take it on. You know, I think one thing that really sort of helped that tension is there was no background music in this game except for little snippets right. at certain mm, yeah. situations, mm -hmm. right? Right. So that added to it. Yeah, like the music won't tense up, you know, when some of these surprises happen. They'll just get you. I don't think the DOS mm. version had that. I think the DOS version was just ambient sound effects and stuff. Um, but it had that cool looking box. Mm -hmm. yeah but uh, no. i think i think laura's character model looked better on saturn that's and this might be a hot I take because yeah. uh, i think that the character models in resident evil look better on saturn as well they're a little more meaty like they just because of the way that saturn draws polygons you know um i i just like the way they look whereas the gorad shading looks better on playstation but the models in general just look more human <laughs> Yeah, the That's levels it. and environments, and particularly the lighting, definitely look better on PlayStation. Right. But I, I do think Laura looks nicer on the Saturn. Yeah. So we haven't mentioned the soundtrack yet. Um, you know, Nathan McCree composed it, and, uh, you know, he did it in a very short frame of time. So, yeah, all he had was just a very general idea of what the game might be about, but he did an amazing job. He, I love his work. Um, you know, he also scored 
Swagman. I think that's a brilliant soundtrack. But Tomb mm. Raider just sounds, it really, it's got a very classical sound to it. And it just fits oh so well with the fact that, you know, Lara's environments are these ancient uh, constructs. So, and, and also, the, obviously, the fact that it doesn't play at all times. It only just plays during certain sequences. It's just a really, really well done soundtrack. I really enjoy it. I it's agree. classic. Yeah, it, it's just you, you hear the sounds that come out of that soundtrack and you immediately think of uh, Miss Croft perusing caves and trying to, you know, find the damn cog. <laughs> like, it, it brings back that the moment you hear stuff like that. Did we mention the FMV that was also cutting edge? Like, back then, F- 3DF, or sorry, uh, pre-render 3d fmv cutscenes were kind of really cool back then and were, so like yeah. that yeah it was it was a cutting edge thing and that was also as a kid and i was actually like nick said sitting next to somebody else playing the game just kind of like popcorn like wow this is amazing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so that that was a huge draw as well is like the the, the way they told the story through fmvs because they hadn't they were still in vogue at the time yeah, and I mean, Lara ultimately became such a cultural icon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like in, in Britain, she was actually featured in a couple of fashion magazines where she modeled, you know, even though she was a, a computer graphics construct, and it wasn't even, I mean, it wasn't, you know, back then it was ultra-realistic. Now we look at it and we understand that it really kind of isn't. There's a there's a famous one where there's a CG uh, image of her sort of swimming or whatever, and if you look at her, she's cross-eyed. But back then, you never even noticed that, like right. you know, it's silly little things like that. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, Lara became you know she was a she was a sex symbol really in a mm-hmm. lot of and like I mean, there hadn't really been a female sort of lead in a in an adventure game like this, not to this extent. Mm-hmm. No. So yeah, really. I mean you know. Other than like Metroid and stuff, but even that was like a lesson. Wait, 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 wait. Metroid was wait, Metroid woman. was a girl? Exactly. Huh. <laughs> Metroid's a girl? <laughs> <laughs> it's like This is like you're playing the game and it's like, oh, there it's not she's not in a suit. It's not a reveal at the end that she was a woman the whole time. It's like, no, nope, nope, Laura's a Laura's a lady. Like, yep. Yes. Weren't a lot of games that had that kind of a female role. Yeah, and she's capable. She's you know self reliant. She's right. she's strong. She's you know, so she was uh, you know. So the game was groundbreaking in a whole lot of ways, it seems. And like like you mentioned, she certainly was, I guess, to put it bluntly, a sex symbol. But that also wasn't her mo. Like you said, she had like a personality. She was a very self motivated, um, brave and like strong person perusing caves climbing shit not you know getting yeah. murdered by bears and dinosaurs so and i mean honestly her her wardrobe was reasonable i mean she was in shorts yeah. and like a full fully Peru you know clothed top you know yeah like, so yeah. if she's gonna be jumping around in caves and stuff you wouldn't want to be wearing like heavy clothes but she had like these side holstered guns that were pretty badass you know i was just talking about how Prue gets hot in the summer it, <laughs> it, it, it was snowing when, yeah okay. she was anyway, a strong she was a strong it. female figure i think in games you know and she could take yeah. care of herself and uh you wouldn't want to ambush her because she'll you, beat you up and take your lunch money yeah exactly yeah yeah and, I, and, um, can't, and we can't even mention how like the fact that how she inspired so many other games like of course uh, yes un, uncharted is definitely the biggest one that stands out 
for sure, and just the other 3D platformers in general. Because, I mean, without Tomb Raider, we wouldn't really have a lot of those, or at least the inspiration for why they became, you know? I mean, and we we have to mention uh, we have to mention how many platforms it came out on, right? I mean, it came out oh, on Engage of all of all platforms. You know, it was like that popular that they had to get it on there, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And of course, the new ones that are out right now by Square Enix. Um, uh, there's the two of I think there's about two of them, right? There's Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and there's, I um, there's three. Maybe there's, there's, a, there's a third one now. I haven't played them. I wouldn't mm. know, but I think there might be three. I'm not 100%. I always thought there was only two because there's Shadow of the Tomb Raider Maybe and not. Rise of the Tomb Raider. Mm. I could be wrong, though. Yeah, so the third one is just simply Tomb Raider. Right. Yeah, That's confusing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought the yeah. second one was pretty good. Um, maybe, maybe like Peter said, not as memorable as the first. The second one, you were like in the Venice waterways and stuff, and you had there was this scene at the beginning where you had to jump into this huge canyon. It was like this huge, vast uh, crevasse or whatever. And I just I wonder if Saturn would have had a tough time with that. Um, I don't really think that it was a technical thing issue uh, that it didn't get published on Saturn, but uh, that you know that would have been an example where they would have used like a skybox or something like that, or they, they might've used VDP too, but yeah. So anyway, I, I was, I was pretty impressed with number two, but I didn't play number three. Understandable. Yeah. I played through number two as well, uh, all the way through. And I do own number three and I've mm. kind of started it, but just the passion isn't there. The time isn't there at the moment either. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, two really took a lot of the passion out. Um, I've sort of given it a, a go, but nothing, nothing too extreme. I actually haven't powered on a PlayStation in, oh God, it's, I'm sure it's been years by now. Um, and then number four did come out on Dreamcast. So I did give that a try, but again, not all the way through to the end. And I think it was around that time that the, the series changed relatively dramatically because at some point it went from core to crystal dynamics Mm -hmm. and then from crystal dynamics i think it then went to square enix although i could even be missing developers in between there because i i sort of stopped following the series to be honest it changed hands a few times i don't know the lineage either but yeah Yeah. core core did indeed shut down so i think the way it was there was a because there's core crystal dynamics nix's software ubersoft uh was was that Ubisoft, uh, Milan, Square Enix, Montreal, and then Eidos, Montreal. It's important to note with all of the uh, changes in the developers and who housed the Tomb Raider that there were actually uh, three different series of it. You had two reboots and then the original version. Mm-hmm. And uh, the naming convention can get super confusing if you're trying to figure out what's what. And uh, so it's more or less the ones in the middle are the hardest ones to figure out where they take place. Uh, But the original ones, you know, you got Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider 2, and then 3, and Last Revelation. And then the the newest series with uh, Eidos uh, Montreal, I think is what it was, is the ones where you got the, the newest remake of Tomb Raider. You got Shadow of the Tomb Raider and Rise of the Tomb Raider. Right. Then you get real confusing when you talk about the Angelina Jolie movies. Like, how do they feel? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. well, well, what about what about the what about the ride, as well? Oh, exactly the ride. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what does that fit into the the canon? Is that in between <laughs> games two and three, or? 
for in the chronology is the ride. That, that's when Laura, just re- Laura wanted just to go on a little vacation, go on a little amusement park. Oh, right, right. But no, it's, it's just crazy. There's like three different re- three different canodicy, canonical parts of it, yeah. or is it all canon? You know, talking about the sequels is a good segue into uh, the topic of Open Lara, uh, which, for those who don't know, it is a reverse-engineered open-source Tomb Raider engine mm-hmm. with which you can play the first five games on the computer and you know it, it, it looks pretty much exactly like the original game and plays like it you can run it at like a 144 frames per second if you want you can do all sorts of settings to it to make it look better or worse and some uh, a person or team of people i don't know a ton about the project but there is a project underway you can look it up on youtube and find videos of open lara tomb raider one running on the the 3do which never got an official port of Tomb Raider. So they're basically porting open Lara to the 3DO, and through that, they're making the first Tomb Raider game playable on it. So if someone, you know, our, our homebrew scene in the Saturn community has been very ambitious lately. If someone were to port open Lara to the Sega Saturn, mm-hmm. that could mean that you would be able to bless the Saturn with the Tomb Raider sequels that its fans wanted but never got. Uh, open Lara is making that an extreme possibility now. Um, I certainly won't do it because I'm not a programmer, but um, it could be done. It's been ported to the Dreamcast as well. Uh, yeah, the it first has. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about the competition? Uh, the competition thing where they the where they entered that that Laura Croft thing. Oh, I can talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talk about that a little bit. I'll bring that up. So, controversial. a Sega Extreme user by the name of Ross entered not Open Lara into the competition, but a hack, <laughs> a a hackity doodle do, uh, as he called it, after being pressed for a description. Um, a it basically had one level. It was, um, I think, it was Lost Valley. It's whichever one where you first encounter the T Rex. Mm-hmm. It was, and it had some texture swaps, a wider screen. Um, like Laura has like different clothes; they're more torn up. She's like bleeding, and yeah. like some of the uh, some of the wolves and other enemies have slightly different textures. The T Rexes look darker and more scary. And there's more enemies, and there's two T Rexes in the level. Uh, there's a better skybox. There's all this neat stuff. You know, I I, I gotta hand it to Ross. Uh, they did a wonderful job with this hack. Uh, unfortunately they got disqualified from the competition because when it was first submitted it was not in the form of a patch it was just a a full download which sega extreme cannot host copyrighted content particularly for the contest um because that puts them at risk of uh, getting nabbed for piracy and uh, the other issue is that that you know ross never gave a description for what it was they submitted and when we when we asked ross what it was ross got very defensive and mad and didn't yeah. tell us and it was just like okay dude but anyhow uh so they got disqualified unfortunately yeah but um if you know if ross is planning to finish that hack uh, it's not a port of open law or anything but you know it's a it's a neat modification of the original game and uh, being playing the full game with that would be kind of neat they put the uh, handstand back in there too which, the which was missing from yep. the uk version was it missing from the north american version i can't oh, remember because they fixed was, a bunch yes. of stuff Okay, all right, yeah. So they put the handstand move in there, 
uh, which the PlayStation version had. I, I grew up doing the handstand one because I had the PlayStation version, but mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah, but um, it makes you wonder, did, wasn't there like rumors that it was like a, or like a thoughts that it was like an unreleased uh, beta of that? That was never confirmed, and I yeah. don't think it was. I don't yeah, think that I was gotcha. an unreleased beta. But it was um, so vague. Yeah, we. that's the thing is we didn't know what we were judging based on. We're we like, did. what are we supposed to be judging this as? What is this? You know, And there, there was no attempt to try to clarify that. If anything, they just wanted to like be like, you figure it out. <laughs> you know, well, right. No. Ross is being kind of a weirdo about it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, well, you're not helping us, so sorry. But yeah, coming <laughs> at the same time as Open Laura news, it kind of made it a little confusing. We were like, wait a second. Okay, what is this? You know, so yeah, because anyway. if it was Open Laura, that'd be like, yeah, big, giant, big, rad. sweet. Yeah, you know, but, but if someone's out there wanting to port Open Laura to the Saturn, a, a fan base of nerds will give you a very warm welcome. I mean, the Dreamcast has what an SH4 in it for the for the CPU, well, and uh, the Saturn's got million. two SH2s, and you add that up, that's SH4, right? Do the math. <laughs> Do the math. <laughs> we're we're, we're Jaguar now. Straight we're port, right? Now, folks. Straight port. <laughs> Straight. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's right. But uh, is there anything else you want to talk about uh, about about Laura and her wonderful adventures in the tombs that she raids before we head over to the obscure game of the cast? I just have one question to the group. Has anybody here tried the nude raider code? Uh, fake. totally. Yeah, I kind of blew right? up. <laughs> I, no, I thought it was it, fake. It's legit. Yeah, it's the legit. nude code was really? like you blow up. So that was like the Ark of the is, Covenant. Is like people, real? people looked for that code or the Holy Grail, you know. And I, I don't think anybody there, there ever. There was a found... long period of time where everyone thought that was a real. Well, thing. didn't somebody make it? Didn't somebody yeah, like basically hack the game and ma- make it oh, happen? There's a PC mod yeah, for yeah, it, sure but I mean, it got taken down, but it's still online. Yeah. You know the internet. Nothing ever disappears from the internet. I don't know, Peter. Did you figure it out? <laughs> Is that no. why he had to go to the bathroom so much playing it? Yeah. <laughs> I never did find the nude. Re- I mean, yes, of course, it was a fake. Uh, you know, there was a magazine, I don't know if it was April Fool's or whatever, but they ran a story that you had to like input some complicated sequence that literally took 30 minutes to do or whatever. Well, I mean, okay, so he, you guys mentioned Samus, right? You did mention Metroid Samus, and I think that that was kind of like the genesis for that. So people, when people saw Samus's clothes come off or her suit come off at the end of the game, that like made a bunch of, you know, prepubescent boys go like, this is a thing. This can happen in games, you know. Oh, you know what other games? <laughs> you know, so it was like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you know, then there's like this this search for the nude code, and it's still rumored. There is actually a a joke about it. Like I think uh, I think it was actually Idos like put the code like a code in. Yeah, and you put it up. Laura would just explode and. Oh we yeah, they did over. in magazines. They did. There were like trolling back then, you know, like uh, trying to like tease you into thinking that you got the real thing, and then it, yeah. God, guys, work. did I cut out? Because like I, I actually just talked about how I got the Saturn Nude Raider code working. Did I cut out there? I was going to totally reveal that. To the world. It was. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't I know what happened. Know. There you go, guys. The technology. Sorry, guys. What's you have happening? It here. Well, you have the answer. You if go. you happen Peter to hear it. it. Yeah. Well. If you somehow managed to hear it when it didn't cut out, then yeah. Congrats, you got the code. Unfortunately, it'll have to stay in the vault. He <laughs> has a contract that he can only explain it every twenty years. Yeah. So hopefully. Yeah, that's too bad. In the next too twenty bad. years, we'll figure it out. 
There's another game where they actually had to cover up the top of a female uh, mm. because um, it was an alien species who, you know, had female top end and everything. And so the they finally had to cover that up. If you guys remember Giant Citizen Kabuto. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I don't yeah. think I know that one. Not as not as popular of a game. <laughs> no, not as not quite. And there was um, the actual original version of the game had the, t- the one of the characters was this female that you run around with. The yeah. original version you were topless, and yeah. um, they had to end up patching that to where she had a top on. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's worth mentioning before we leave this uh, that uh, IDOS after around Tomb Raider two they were getting really big and they acquired Core. Um, they acquired Crystal Dynamics, as you guys mentioned, and we're trying to become like this super, uh, pu- super publishing house, you know. And they did; they had another franchise called Pandemonium. Uh- <laughs> Pandemonium, Pandemonium. <laughs> and not Pandemonium, what? but Pandemonium. <laughs> And that also got an Engage release, and I think they really tr- that was a Crystal Dynamics uh, property that was kind of acquired by IDOS, and they really tried to push that and have like a sequel and have it be like as big as Tomb Raider. And it was there was a lot of hype around that that game, but not nearly as much. It didn't just it was a 2.5D thing, and it just wasn't nearly as groundbreaking as Tomb Raider was. But again, they tried to do kind of the same thing. Um, that's my impression from back in the day, like hanging out at game shops and stuff like that is that IDOS was really trying to push that, you know, was, was it not IDOS or was it just straight up Crystal Dynamics? It could have been both. Cause I, cause they, they acquired Crystal Dynamics. Did they not? Or am I just talking out of my ass? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> IDOS did acquire Crystal okay, Dynamics. Okay. You're right. Okay. Um, but I think Pandemonium was released under Crystal just under Dynamics Crystal Dynamics. Label. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, think you, I think you're right. Okay. Well, then you know maybe like I say, I, may, I might just be talking out of my ass. But <laughs> but I back in the day as a kid was a little confused about the whole developer publisher relationship and all the middlemen and middleware and stuff like that. So it got kind of confusing during all those acquisitions and stuff like that. So, but yeah. So that's understandable though. Yeah. <laughs> Alright guys, for our obscure game of the cast, this is going to be an obscure one, and it kind of has something to do with uh, Tomb Raider. We are covering Lupin III, Pyramid no Kinja, or the Sage of Pyramid, or the the, the, Pyram- the, the Sage in the Pyramid, whatever you want to it's The, the t- subtitle on the menu is called the Sage of Pyramid. It doesn't seem quite right, but that's how I'm going to call it. Uh, it was published by Azimic and developed by uh, Vantan International, who... The only other crap they have is a death mask on the Saturn, mm. weirdly enough. I did not know that was a thing, but apparently it was a thing. Uh, it was released on August 6, 1998, so a very late release title on the Saturn, and obviously, for two reasons, didn't come out in America. Go figure. Uh, the game is based off the famous Lupin the Third manga slash anime series in Japan, which follows Arsene Lupin's great-grandson, Lupin the Third. An international thief whose friends Jigen, a quickshot marksman, and Goman, an expert swordsman who can cut through steel, break in and steal precious jewels and gold all over the world. 
And are you guys familiar with Lupin the Third at all? No. Wow. Yeah, Sorry. it's a third-person perspective like action game, right? Yeah. Well, well no, it's a. Anime. I'm in. I'm in the. Sorry, oh, the series, oh, the anime. The okay, all right. Yeah. No, yeah, not I, not that much. So essentially, it's a uh, really uh, old games, uh, old anime series from the '70s by Monkey Punch. It was uh, the the anime is actually done by TMS Entertainment, who actually does my my all-time famous anime, Detective Conan. And they actually did have crossovers with Lupin the Third and Detective Conan, which are quite good, but I'm also biased because I love both series a lot. The game basically is a third-person action-adventure game, sort of like uh, Tomb Raider in, in aspects, but it's more arcade-y feeling. So, so like I said, the I wish I could tell you more about the story, but there's literally nothing online about it, and I do not speak Japanese. So uh, essentially, what, what I could gather from what I saw is Lupin sees a news report about this pyramid with all its treasures and and tries his hand at stealing what's inside because he's Lupin the Third. That's what he does. He's an international thief. Uh, as he enters the pyramid, he's chased down by his longtime rival, Inspector, Inspector Zinigata, which uh, it's another gimmick of the show where every episode he's chased down by Inspector Zinigata, which is his arch nemesis who tries to take him in from Interpol. So uh, as he's chased in the, the pyramid, Lupin and his friends... Uh, Basically, go, uh, go into the pyramid and force them there and has to go through each level of the pyramid while they steal treasure and try to escape the pyramid along the way. Um, and really, why did I pick this as a featurette for an obscure ga game for the game? Because it's, uh, it has several elements of Tomb Raider, such as 3D platforming and, of course, recovering uh, expensive artifacts throughout the game. Uh, did you guys uh, get a chance to try this out at all? I didn't get a chance to try it out, but just kind of throughout the cast, I was watching some gameplay of it, and I it made me really want to try it out. I think the guy looks really goofy running around, and uh, yeah, I, it's it, it it does look like a Tomb Raider e game because you're going through an ancient pyramid in a tomb, trying to get ancient treasure, and he's like climbing shit and stuff like that. Um, it's very goofy looking, and I do really want to play it now, having seen some of it. I just didn't have the time before. It's understandable. So. But yeah, it, it, that's sort of his MO. Is it's, it's really a goofy comedy series in ways. There is things that it takes seriously. And uh, actually, fun fact. Fun, well, actually, Nick, you say it. Fun fact. Uh, the um, uh, It's actually technically the first Studio Ghibli movie. Is it really? Because, because really? Um, Hayao Miyazaki and several of the people that worked that, that, are, that work in Ghibli are now and past uh st started on tms entertainment's uh lupon the third castle cagliostro which is directed by heo miyazaki which uh technically makes it the first um ghibli movie unofficial ghibli movie the same way uh, Lup uh the uh, uh what's the other one not laputa is it Lup not laputa it's um a nausicaa is also technically a ghibli movie and is always classified that way but actually nausicaa is more classified as G a ghibli movie than Lupin is because Lupin's owned by TMS Entertainment, which is a completely different company, so it's harder to get the rights to that than Nasca. So, a lot of Ghibli collections will keep it out of it, but technically, it's the roughly the first uh, loop, the first Ghibli movie, and it is actually on 4K Blu-ray right now that you could actually watch it. And man, it looks fantastic! If you guys haven't watched any Lupin stuff, highly recommend checking out Ca uh, Castle of Cagliostro amazing lupon movie in 4k i mean it 
it just blew my mind. But yeah, uh, it was a little. It's a really fun game. I really enjoyed it. It uh, it it has some rough spots, rough spots and control lag like Tomb Raider did. And as it came out later, it definitely was uh, Tomb Raider inspired in aspects. But it still keeps the funny gags and the funny, uh, sort of the the the, the funniness and the spirit of the Lupin uh, anime and manga, which I really enjoyed. I think it's kind of neat that you know if you were in Japan and you were a Lupin fan. At the time, like, that anime was pretty old, even by, like, you know, late 90s standards. It was, like, you know, 15, 18 years old. And yeah. then all of a sudden, this video game about it comes out. That'd be, like, trying to think modern-day equivalent. Like, if we just... They did they don't reboot Jimmy Neutron, but we just get randomly get a really good Jimmy Neutron game that comes out without any sort of reboot at all. It'd be kind of like that level of a gap between cartoon and video game, I guess. So It'd be more equivalent... Yeah, I think more of an equivalent would be probably like something like a Flintstones game. Oh yeah, because, like, because Lupin is is like the equivalent, like Lupin. I think the big ones are Lupin, uh, Astro Boy. Uh, I think Hajime Epo is pretty big there. Dragon Ball, and other other in the big the the big boy leagues in Japan. Like it's, I just meant the, like the span of time, like it was fifteen or so years between them. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess for that example, yeah. But de- no, Jimmy Neutron was certainly not from the Lupin era. <laughs> Definitely not. Oh no, I wasn't no, saying no. it was. I meant just like the the notoriety of it, right? Like the, right. The fame of it. It was pop- I mean, the- It was like that level of popular back then. Exactly, and it still yeah. is to this day. Like Lupin is, it's like one of the the biggest anime of all time. It's pretty famous. It's not as famous in the United States, sadly, but it still has its audience, and it's still. It still regularly comes out like they released the Lupin movie like last year and it was really really good. It was like a 3D animated thing like um the guys that do the minions. Mm-hmm. But man was it so good. Like my roommate watched it and he's like, "Dang, I want to watch Lupin now. It's awesome." Pat, and would you like say this is a game that English speakers who don't understand Japanese or just, you know, not just English speakers, but just is this a game that people who don't understand Japanese could play and beat and like have an easy time understanding what they're supposed to do? Uh, yeah, I did. I okay. had no idea. The thing is that I think you need the context of who Lupin is to get it because sure. you'll see these cutscenes of these Japanese characters and not have any context. But because I'm a fan of the series, I'm like, okay, okay, the Lupin's like convincing his buddies to do it and they're hesitant. Oh, yeah, Inspector's in, he got us chasing him down. Like, like these characters will pop up, like, I don't know what's going on. Who are these characters? Who are these people? And they just won't know. So I think. It's actually a game I would recommend that you at least watch, at least look up a digest version of Lupin the Third, and understand the like at least those characters before you watch it because there's a lot of Lupin stories and a lot of them that exist that you don't need to know a whole context of Lupin to to watch. So it sounds but, like Lupin fans who own a Saturn or are Saturn fans probably should play this game. Absolutely, it's yeah. it's a ton of fun. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun, a lot of really gag oriented stuff, and highly recommend watching it. I definitely think if you're a Lupin the fan, especially if you're Lupin the third, the part two fan, I think you'd really enjoy it because it keeps that spirit of that anime in it. Because it takes place, I believe, it's supposed to be a Lupin the third part two based anime, but you can really shove it in anywhere. It's really good. But yeah, did any other guys uh, give it a shot? 
I was in the same boat where I didn't get a chance to play it. I looked up some videos and uh, some reviews and feedback on it. It, like Nick said, it looked like something I'd really get into because it looks very goofy. It looks very, uh, you know, uh, Tomb Raider-esque and uh, it does look like a lot of fun. And so I, I think I will definitely be giving it a try. I had a bit of an interesting experience. I wanted to play this uh, so I could be ready to talk about it for the cast, and I think I played the wrong game. So I played a game called uh, Lupin the Third Chronicles on the Saturn. So <laughs> as I'm kind of going through it, I was like, wait, is this even the right game? And I mean, it is a Lupin game, yeah, but I don't think it's the same game that everybody else has played or talked about. So there are no. multiple Lupin games on the Saturn. Um, because there is, you know what, I'm just going to look it up real quick, but I'm positive the Saturn has multiple Lupin games. There's about and I'm three or sure, four of them. Yeah, and so I'm pretty sure I played the, the wrong one. I mean, so the one I played had really nice presentation, and it looked great, and it looked like a gag of fun, but I, you know, don't want to say any more than that, because I don't, you know, it's not the, it's not the same game that everybody else played, so I've, like, uh out obscured myself uh with this one i think we'll say that for another cast <laughs> <laughs> but uh I, I guess overall i really enjoyed it i really recommend people play it if they haven't um and yeah i don't think it's that expensive online uh, it's not really a game that a lot of because lupon really lupon fans aren't like the biggest in north america it's i mean it's a pretty pretty important anime but it's not as big but yeah, I'm looking like like I guess if you want to buy it now, forty dollar, forty bucks for it, which is kind of high. That's I'm surprised bad. it's that high. I guess with Saturn, I guess maybe that's to be expected. Three dollar buy it now, but that's seventeen shipping. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna see how much it was selling for. Cause you could probably get off of Amazon Japan for cheaper in a giant bundle. Yeah, I'm seeing thirty forty. A bid went to fourteen fifteen dollars. A three dollar bid. So yeah, it's it's around that area, twenty dollars. So it's fairly affordable and it's fairly playable. So I definitely would recommend if you haven't played it and you want to play it, definitely pick it up. Alright guys, thank you for watching. Before we go, we want to shout out our $10 and up patrons. So Emerald Nova, Johannes Fetz, Blue Moon 95, Derek A-Team, um, Mompus, Tanuki Trev, and of course Young Money Sowee. Uh, if you guys want to get a shout out on the podcast and the Shiro Show, uh, you can donate, you can, uh, give us, a, if you give a, if you back us uh, $10 and up on Patreon, we will, it will allow us to shout you on the show. And if you actually had VIP status, you can actually be on the show. Uh, quarterly if you'd like uh if you guys don't really want to back us on patreon which why which i mean you can if you you want we have a lot of good things on there like if you don't want to back us at the ten dollar up level you can back us at the three dollar up level and get exclusive patreon uh exclusive discord access and titles you can get um early uh early videos from not only uh, shiro but pandemonium reviews and of course all the other content that we do outside of shiro i know that uh if I start doing content, I will make all my videos available first as well. And of course, like I said, early podcasts, early episodes, 
And then, oh, I also got the $20 up. And if you do $20 and up, you get a discount code for shirts. So if you want to buy the shirts at cost, you can back to the $20 level. I keep forgetting about that that uh, that perk. But speaking of shirts, if you guys uh, want to support us financially but don't want to back us on Patreon, you can also check us out on Threadless, which is on our website, Sigasadoshiro Threadless. And we have some awesome shirts. Uh, Dave actually just uploaded a new shirt design, which is a the fist holding the controller. Can't see it. I don't know why I'm doing it on camera. We're all on camera, but you can't see us. And uh, yeah, there's some really nice shirt designs on there. And uh, if you can't back us financially, definitely share us out. Uh, give us a rating on on our podcast page. Uh, give us a rating on uh, Facebook. Uh, like, subscribe, comment, ring the bell, etc. To notify us when we're going live and comment and let us know. And actually, let us know what you guys think of our thoughts on on Tomb Raider in the content on the in the comments did we do it justice did we talk about it good did we not talk about it good did we uh, did I say inflammatory things that I should be punished for yes etc okay yes, yes. <laughs> and remember you must take off these wet clothes Uh, Dreamcast. So again, Peter. Fucking Canadian internet. I swear <laughs> to Jesus. <laughs> okay. You pay a lot. That's what happens too. when you have moose running the lines. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel like I want Dave to tie my ribbon. He's obviously really into it. He's doing a great <laughs> job. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh.